0: podcast one production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. This is a podcast about the world. It is a podcast where we explain something that is going on in the world. We take a political situation, something controversial, or just something that you want explained, and then we break it down. And Dr. Keith, is very good at, well, you've got, A, all the background knowledge of pretty much everything, Keith, (laughs) but you're very good at explaining it in layman's terms so none of us get left behind, me included, by the way, number one on that list. And so every week we choose a topic of interest and we break it down. And you have got three PhDs in international relations and related topics, and you're a commentator in Australian media have been talking about these issues prominently for decades as well. So we can trust what you say, Keith, is what I'm saying. Uh, And today we're talking Trump. Election only only a little while away in America. It's very much a focal point for media around the world. Uh, very controversial. Do we know if he loses? Whether he'll actually leave? Probably not. <laughs> he might leave, but he would never concede. Is the latest. <laughs> but we know and look. He's come under heavy criticism by everyone, including well, both of us. But what good has he done? And that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about Republican Party as well, but also and what they've become. But but what good has Trump done? Because He's under fire internally in America for the way he handled coronavirus. He never believed it was actually a thing. Never shut down the economy properly. Never protected his people properly. Over 200,000 dead, blah, blah, blah. But
1: he has done good. Yes, I, I think Trump is a tragedy. Uh, <laughs> uh, when you go So back... this is
0: very hard for you to do this That's right. So,
1: But you go back to 2016, Trump was talking about important issues which have been neglected by the mainstream media political process. So there is a viewpoint that there is only one political party in the United States, and it has a left wing and a right wing. So you've got the Democrats and the Republicans, but basically they're joined at the hips. And what joins them together is particularly corporate power, which we don't get to talk about, right? So as we speak, we've got uh, the hearings relating to uh, Amy comey Bartlett, who's going to be presumably uh, appointed to the Supreme Court. Now, what is interesting is that all the discussion is over abortion, gay rights, and gun rights, and that sort of thing, the social issues. But the real power of the Supreme Court is that it controls a lot of the U.S. economy. The biggest problem uh, for the United States domestically, leaving aside China, which we've looked at a lot, but it's the power of corporations. So we're now talking about Facebook, Apple, Google or Alphabet. In other words, these are the big corporations that control American life and are responsible for the deindustrialization of the United States, etc. They're all ones, a lot of them are doing very well during the COVID crisis, by the way. Jeff Bezos, who runs Amazon, is much richer today than he was back in March oh, when the Christ.
0: crisis began. Which would make Trump angry, by the way. <laughs> Arch enemies.
1: Well, you know, they. I don't know. The, the corporate power... Is the big issue, but it doesn't get discussed partly because the people who should discuss it are media corporations who, of course, are part of the corporate setup. So, Trump did brilliantly, or perhaps more accurately, Steve Bannon, who, of course, himself is a Goldman Sachs person, but a blue collar, Catholic, working class background, not part of the usual Ivy League mm. elite people. So, Steve Bannon was brilliant at giving Trump the issues to raise, and then Trump was brilliant at marketing. And so back in 2016, they were able to put together a very good case for why it should no longer continue to be business as usual. So Trump has reinvented the Republican Party. He's turned it into a cult. It's a bit like a, a mafia business, really, where, where you've got the Don at the top. That's Donald, and the Don. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, running a, a family entity called the Republican Party. It's, that in itself is a remarkable achievement, that in four years he's totally transformed the grand old party. This is the party of Abraham Lincoln, and he's transformed that party. Amazing. So General Eisenhower, who was the Republican president for eight years in the 1950s, uh, would not be eligible to join the Republican Party today. He wouldn't be needed. That is how much Trump has been able to change the party in four years. So, whether or not you like that, one has to acknowledge that he has been a remarkable disruptor. He was also focusing on issues that were neglected by the Democrat Party. So, as we speak here, we've just had the first hints about who would be in a Biden cabinet, and they're all hangovers from the Clinton era. Oh, God. So, in other words, we're going to be back to the free trade stuff. Don't talk about China as a currency manipulator. We need to improve our relations with China. If you're working in Goldman Sachs, that's a great idea. That's how your money opens up. And so Trump did brilliantly in being able to highlight the issues that were of concern to ordinary Americans. Now, later on in this series, we're going to look at a new book on populists because people now use the term populist as a term of abuse. I think that that needs to be re, uh, that we need to rediscover the original populist movement in the United States.
0: It'd be really interesting to understand that.
1: Exactly. So that'll be for a later topic, what we mean by the populist movement. But Trump was able to mobilize the anger that many alienated, ordinary Americans have felt. They felt neglected by the political system. As I say, the political parties are joined at the hip and they're, they're... mainly uh, concerned with political power and economic power, not the ordinary people. But what you can do, though, if you want to get your um, your supporters really ramped up, you talk about abortion, pro or con, or gay rights, pro or con, and go or hard. black lives, and go hard. Yeah, And that's how you rally either the left or the right. But they're not the major issues, in my view, confronting American society. And Trump did brilliantly to highlight that, and he said he was going to drain the swamp. Instead, he's become a victim of the swamp. And Joe Biden is bringing out cabinet ministers from the deep swamp.
0: Oh, that, God. So,
1: you know, if I were an ordinary American who was well-informed about American politics, I'd be so despondent at the moment. The only person who would have done good, I think, would have been uh, Senator Sanders. And, of course, the Democrat elite were not going to stand for him.
0: Interesting, isn't it? And just an understanding of... Get, well, explain like the approach, because even the elite Republicans you're talking about, those old school Republicans with like the jacket slung over their shoulders, like, you know, the deep South type of guys <laughs> that we're talking about, um, the traditional Republicans. Show, tell me about the difference between the way they approach politics and their biggest issues. Cause they still rode the abortion wave and all those oh, yeah. things, anti-gay. Yep. Yeah versus the new way. The the Tea Party has essentially taken charge of the Pro- 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 Republican Party, hasn't it, Kurt? That's
1: right. So the Tea Party began at the time of Obama and it really represented a reaction against the Republican establishment. Remember, I've already talked about Senator Sanders yep. mobilising all these young people to rebel against the Democrat establishment. Yep. So in the Republican Party, you've got the rich and powerful who run it and you had this grassroots movement who said, no, we, we don't accept those views and we, we want to take on the big corporate giants. And so that's how the Tea Party movement began. But the problem is it then got hijacked by the corporate interests.
0: And by the way, Sarah Palin was quite instrumental in stoking the Tea Party, right? Oh, yeah.
1: Sarah Palin represented a new force in her own right. Again, I'm going to end up annoying people, but I think she was a breath of fresh air. Mm. So uh, you had uh, John McCain, war veteran, very much part of the Republican establishment, and they needed to balance him with um, a female and a younger person. And so they selected this former governor of Alaska. Alaska is always the joke in the United States, although it might have the last laugh given all the wealth that's in that state. Uh, So she became the spokesperson for this new emerging movement on the right of politics who saw themselves as represented by her. In other words, it's not just the question of do I like her, but am I like her? Is she like me? Does she like me? And that was a remarkable change that we get because the Republican Party is the party of generals and major financiers, et cetera, or veteran political figures who have been around for an awfully long time. She represented a completely new force in American politics, and then she inspired the Tea Party, ordinary mums and dads, particularly the mums, who are saying, yes, we disapprove of what's going on. We don't like the values that are shown on TV programs, the Hollywood values, which we, mm. you know, are corrupting the children. We're concerned about what's going on with our children. They're going to be unemployed. The jobs are going off to China and elsewhere. And this was a person who started to speak as those people thought. And in a sense, Trump then built upon that.
0: She was, so one of the famous quotes I still remember back in the day was when she said the difference between a, she got on stage and the auto cue failed and she was trying to get the attention of the crowd. She's like, you know the difference between a hockey mom and a bulldog? Lipstick. You know, those <laughs> sorts of comments. Yeah. Just went down so well with people because they were just, every, they showed what an everyday person she was.
1: Exactly. And then Trump built upon that, even though he was a billionaire, but he was able to mobilise that anger. One of the things that's intrigued me, I've got to say, about Trump and the coronavirus is that he's lost his capacity to scare. You know, he's talked down the coronavirus. What he should have been doing was talking it up and and emphasising it because fear works, not hope. It's fear. And that's what he was able to do. And, of course, he's still doing it now with, you know, the Black Lives Matters will help Trump perhaps in November Mm. because people are scared, white people are scared about black violence. Ironically, of course, the Black Lives Matter movement itself is now divided. You've got some who believe you can work through, you know, Martin Luther King type demonstrations, but you've got other hardline Black activists who are saying, "No, we wouldn't. Let's buy the guns. Let's get ready for the showdown after November 3. So you, you, you got, but you've got Trump who's focusing on Black violence and also people coming in over the border. The, the Americans don't really have an immigration crisis. There, there was one at the time of Reagan through to Clinton. But those figures have dropped down a bit since that era. But nonetheless, he was able to exploit that fear of foreigners, fear of the other, which we also see, of course, in European politics as well. And yet somehow or other, with the coronavirus, Trump failed to talk it up as a threat. We know now that he was talking privately to an American journalist, Bob Woodward, saying this is really bad news, but publicly he was, he was t- talking down the extent of the crisis. Now, that also reflects on the values of Bob Woodward. You know, he should have been, instead of keeping all these scoops for a later book, he should have been putting them into his own newspaper. And Anyway, that's a separate story about it just shows that journalists are not always reliable either. They've got bad <laughs> ethics. But what is interesting is that Trump had been told quite early on that the coronavirus is going to be bad news, and yet he, he failed to exploit the fear factor in all of that. That's now causing him real problems in the United States because we know that older people are uh, more vulnerable. Now, youngsters are dying, but older people tend to be more vulnerable, and Trump normally recruits those older people. They remember a different type of America before the blacks got uppity and before you had people coming in speaking Spanish. So he's able to play to that audience, but it is that audience at the same time who are perishing because of coronavirus.
0: This is Global Truth with Dr. Keith Souter. We're talking what we're (laughs) we're meant to be talking about, the good things that Trump has done uh, on the eve of the American election. Um, It is quite hard, though, because he has been so divisive and brought around so much angst in America, even up until, really, coronavirus struck. But, Keith, there would be some people that would say economically in those short time he did some good things.
1: Up until about February and March of this year, uh, but it's interesting to note that all the gains that were made under him, don't forget the change began under Obama. And so all Trump had to do was to keep those gains going. But part of the problem, again, is that you can't assess the state of the American economy by the New York Stock Exchange. Yep. And and you so when you talk to ordinary Americans, they're having to work very hard. Trump hasn't helped them very much. They're low-paid jobs. This is where you're getting exploited by the Amazons of this world. People are desperate for work, so they will work long hours for a small amount of pay because they need the work. He really hasn't tackled that. That, for me, is a great disappointment. So Trump, for me, would have been a breath of fresh air four years ago, but he soon got captured by the swamp and the big financial interest. He said he made politics interesting. You know, those of us who teach political science to American students, we have record enrollment numbers. We've never had numbers as high
0: as they are at the moment. Yeah. Well, it was like in the lead up actually very quickly um, to the 2016 election and even in viewership in terms of television content and radio content, Trump stuff sold.
1: Yeah. It sold so well. Because he's a brilliant person at speaking, not mm-hmm. a good administrator, but he is a brilliant presenter of ideas and he can electrify the The crowd, he is a genius at marketing. Poor old Joe Biden is speaking to small, soporific groups of people and not really injecting much enthusiasm. Now, it may well be that after November 3rd, the Americans will say, look, just give us four years of peace. We've we've had four years of adrenaline. Now just give us four years of peace. So that may well be a factor that will work in Biden's favour. The boring Biden factor might actually be of assistance to him. But Trump has made politics interesting. He's highlighted major issues, the whole question of China, for example, right? Clinton's view with China is to make economic deals with them, whereas Trump has surrounded himself with people who are saying, look, this is a turning point in the history of the world. China is going to be the number one country by the year 2049, which is the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Revolution. They're running actually a little ahead of schedule. What's America going to do? Are we going to be now number two on the world scene? Trump, to his credit, highlighted that whereas clinton and obama would say oh look don't worry about the politics let's just focus on getting the money the trade with china that's what's important trump to his credit has got people are saying no the problem is that with china you've got shoddy products being sold into the united states and you've got problems with the supply chain which is of course what we now are seeing with the coronavirus etc trump was willing to talk about these things So that that is certainly an achievement. And as I say, the really big issue, and it's also an issue here for Australia, is we are an ally of the United States, but China is our major trading partner. Whom do we support when there is a major collision between those two countries? Now, what Trump is doing is simply saying, we've got to face facts. China is not just the major trading partner for America. It's also going to be a major military threat for us, a major political threat. And Trump... Uh, was critical of um, the wars on terrorism, which has cost so much blood and treasure for the United States. He promised to get out of Iraq and Afghanistan. He certainly managed to reduce the numbers. But the deep state in the United States is saying, no, we've got to continue fighting. They want to stay in Afghanistan for as long as possible. Why? Exactly. Good question. Because they don't want to get the reputation for America losing wars. That's the reason you stay. You don't want to have the Taliban saying we've beaten the Americans. Even though the rest of us have known they have, but that's not—they don't want to publicly admit that. So they will continue to have Americans dying in Iraq and in Afghanistan. Trump, to his credit, has not started another war. So Bush started disastrous wars. Obama, of Syria. course, got bogged down in Syria and also Libya. Remember, we didn't have a refugee crisis until we ended up with the problems in Syria and the problems in Libya. Libya is only um, a few kilometres away from Europe. You get through Libya, get on a boat, you get onto an island, Lampedusa, and you are in the European Union catchment area. And under Colonel Gaddafi, you didn't dare go into Libya. Whereas now, Colonel Gaddafi has been overthrown. Remember, Obama has admitted that was a failure on his part. Mrs. Clinton was campaigning on the fact she got rid of the, the, the leader of Libya. But chiefs then open this can of worms in terms of the asylum seekers who use Libya as their exit point from the African continent. So Trump, to his credit, has not started any more wars. He's continued the wars that he's inherited, which I think has been regrettable. But he hasn't, for example, uh, gone to war against Venezuela. He's making life difficult for the government of Venezuela, but we haven't got any troops, and any the standard phrase is, any boots on the ground. So Trump, to his credit, has not started another war.
0: So then will Trump, do you think, well, hmm, you're right, America doesn't want hysteria, they might just want calm, they might just want that that dad figure who's going to look after them type of thing. But surely an argument for Trump is that um, he is taking a stand as well, like from the American people's perspective and those, those you know, ground root, those grassroots sort of supporters of Trump, The fact that he's taking a stand against China, that he is not taking the, you know, perceived, in inverted commas, bullying that China, because they're so powerful and because they are the biggest manufacturer in the world, can put on to other countries. Does that count in this?
1: It may count. I think there'll be other issues. Foreign policy is generally not a big issue in, in Australian, sorry, in American voting. I think that there'll be many other domestic issues that will worry them. But certainly China is a factor. I think Trump has to... Be credited with raising China as a major military problem. It's been swept under the carpet by Clinton, Bush, and Obama, who just simply wanted to make trade deals with China. By the way, the trade deal that was being negotiated was cancelled by Trump.
0: Wow, and so that will continue under Trump.
1: And that well, he's not going to be as you say. He's not going to get bullied by China. So these he does have some points to his credit that we need to acknowledge irrespective of what goes on on November the 3rd, we're going to be talking about Trump for decades, from a political science point of view, we're going to be talking about Trump for decades to come, whereas I don't bother to talk very much about Obama. Eight years of Obama have just disappeared into the woodwork.
0: I know, and he it's a really interesting documentary I'm watching at the moment. There were just, hope was his, you know, catch cry when he went into office, and how quickly he lost that hope because he realised that he could not get anything done yep. against a hostile Republican Party who were so threatened by him they just dug their heels in That's and right. without the without being able to negotiate, what can you accomplish in yeah. that time,
1: Keith? So if, if uh, Trump continues for another four years, you can expect even more drama.
0: Watch this space, especially the next couple of weeks. Thank you. This has been Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.